When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As you can imagine, not everything we record ends up in the final cut of an episode. Every now and then, I want to share some of the great content that just didn't air the first time. In this bonus episode, I am revisiting my interview with journalist and author Lori Tharps. Lori, who lives in Spain with her family, discusses how the art of storytelling changes depending on the medium being used. We also discuss her two podcasts, My American Melting Pot, which focuses on race in real life, and My Bloody Hell, which focuses on the journey of menopause. Welcome to the Global Chatter. Okay, I I will fully admit for me, it's very weird to call you a content creator because I see you as a a traditional communicator with your writing background, journalism degree, journalism experience, academia. But I think it's super important for people to know that you are also a podcaster. And and let's be honest, there, there are two podcasts that you've actually launched, right? And then there's one that has been launched since you came to Spain. So your first one was My American Melting Pot? That is correct. Okay. For people who don't know, and I I have per, per kind of perused it and looked at it myself, what was that podcast? What was your mission with that one? Yeah, so My American Melting Pot, it was the podcast was an extension of my blog of the same name. And I always say that I write, um, that everything I write is um, meets at the intersection of race and real life. Mm-hmm. And so My American Melting Pot, the podcast really was just that. It was looking at popular culture, everyday everyday things, and looking at how they are impacted by race. So I did an episode on fried chicken and how <laughs> people think fried chicken is a black food when in fact fried chicken is, <laughs> you know, it's a food that's, tradi- that's seriously enjoyed literally all over the world. So I looked at fried chicken in South Korea, fried chicken in Guatemala, and fried chicken in the, you know, Black American culture. I can smell this episode. You said fried chicken. <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> I can go for some Thai I fried chicken. I, I love some Korean fried chicken. Which <laughs> right. In Spain, I just found the place with the best Korean fried chicken. Which, really? Oh, my God. My life is, is now completely really? here. I am fine. I'm fine. Never going back. And I bet they're killing it with the spices, too. Because, A, they're Korean, and then the spices that are available in Spain, that's actually... I can smell this podcast. Like I don't <laughs> like I'm like so yes. good. I learned so much about fried chicken in South Korea doing 
um, that episode. So um, I did an episode on like K-pop. I did it and why black people, why black teenagers, black and Latino teenagers love K-pop. Like it's just, you know, these are the things where I think that we are going to change the world, not by policies made by white men in suits, but because we recognize that there is this racial component. There's this cultural component to everything we do from how we buy our shampoo to mm-hmm. how we eat our fried chicken. Yeah. And so that's what the My American Melting Pot podcast um, is. And it's on like a hiatus. I haven't updated it for <laughs> a year, but I am actually about to relaunch it in April. So we're going to continue to looking at, um, again, how race impacts everyday life experiences. Let me ask you this. As someone who obviously has made a career as a journalist, how has, and, and we'll get to the second podcast in a moment, but how is podcasting different and the same for you? Like, is it a different energy or just it's it's similar? Like, I, I'm very curious as someone who's made the jump into more, you know, audio, media, whatever. How is it yeah. different? That's such a great question. And I'll tell you that I didn't understand. And I thought, oh, I'll just do what I do with a microphone in front of my face. And in fact, hmm. it's... um. I do think that being able to write is very important for the type of storytelling I'm trying to do yeah. um, in the sense that uh, you have to write scripts, you have to do research. Um, you can't come to the table just winging it. You know, you do have to research your guests <laughs> right. and depending on what this, like for me, like the fried chicken episode, um, I, I do enjoy fried chicken, but I don't know anything about it as a cultural phenomenon in Guatemala, you know? Right. So I had to, find the expert to talk to. I had to do the research, read about it. Um, I had to go taste some chicken, fried chicken from Guatemala, you know, that kind of research too. Um, But the the amount of time, the production levels that's required to make a podcast is the part that I didn't um, contemplate. And that is much harder than being a you know, my typewriter, my notepad, that's kind of yeah. all I need to be a writer. Yeah. So the, the, um, I have a editor, you know, who does the, who puts the whole thing together for me. So it's definitely more of a team. I mean, it can be solo, but it feels much more of a team sport than, um, traditional print journalism, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I like it though, because it is also more, I definitely feel like you're reaching a different audience and you're hearing literally my voice more than just if you read my words on the page. Yeah, no, I mean, I just wanted to be like, speak on it. I don't think people know how much work these shows and and the better the show, the more amount of work, right? And the amount of research. And I, obviously with my show, I have guessed on, I rare, I've done, I've done maybe one episode that was like 10 minutes that was solo because I, I, I have no interest in listening to myself talk by myself kudos to people who want to listen to me talk but i can imagine you're right also us having the black expat writing is so much different than just trying to do this and so i yeah i, I was gonna, my editor yeah. i have my editor for my podcast comes from npr and i'm thinking i got this i'm writing my script <laughs> right and he's just ripping them apart because he's like People don't talk like this. Like you can't, like you, I write these long sentences with, you know, he's like, no, this is not how you write for audio. And so it was a real learning curve. And I'm so glad that I did get an editor who could gently (laughs) uh, mention that this is not good. Like you got to do this over again. You've got to write this differently. You've got to, you've got to speak this differently, That that's, you know, took us like in the, 
first season, I think, you know, we would do retakes like 800 times before I could just get <laughs> welcome to my American <laughs> Melting Pot. I think podcast editors are the unsung heroes of these podcasts because you hear the voice. But if someone is not doing their own editing and, and the managing or whatever, yo, the podcast editors, producers, managers, whatever falls into what they're doing. If you hear, this is why I try to shout out Stephanie Fugio, who's going to hear this because she's going to edit it. <laughs> I try to shout out Steph as much as I can because, sure, you hear a show and it sounds professional, but it, it's having folks like that that say to you, hey, this would make it better or you may want to consider. And also you being as the host willing to accept that because it's your baby, but you want your baby to be healthy and 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 functional, not sickly and <laughs> falling apart, which is a bad analogy for this podcast. So I'm, I'm curious because that fried chicken episode stuck in my mind. Of all the episodes you've done thus far, which is your favorite? I did a two-part uh, piece on Black Spain, um, the history mm. of Spain, uh, hist Spain's hidden Black history, and then also what's it like to be a Black person in Spain today. Nice. And I did that as my own kind of self-inquiry, you know, kind of sneakily already knowing that I wanted to move to Spain. I did this in 2019, but I um, interviewed a lot of Black expats who had mm. chosen Spain, right, as well as Afro-Spaniards and some Africans themselves yeah. um, to get that, you know, everybody wants to know what's it like to be black in Spain. I wanted to know as I was seriously contemplating the, the move. Um, so I interviewed, like I said, I interviewed a lot of uh, just regular people who had chosen Spain as a black person, as well as some like, you know, journalists and experts mm -hmm. who could contextualize what life was really like for black people, you know, with the statistics and facts and everything. But that was um, kind of done more like a radio documentary. So you hear me on the streets, you know, it was a real on the streets, like being in the place. I was in Spain doing it. So it was just a joy to do. And it really, I mean, it took so much out of me. I actually had to, you know, get new equipment and take it around and get, you know, ambient sound and things like that. I think the first episode is only like, I just was looking at it. It's only like, it's less than 30 minutes, I think. But it took me like days and days <laughs> right. to put it together. But I'm really proud of it. And I think it, answers that question. Anybody who wants to come to Spain as a black person, they want to know how will I be treated? What's it like there? And I'm like, go listen to my episode because you'll hear from all these different people with these different perspectives. And there is no one answer, right? And right. one person's experience is going to be different from another person's experience. Speak on it. Please. And why you came <laughs> makes a big difference, right? right? You know, what are you looking for? Right. So getting these different people's perspective um, and also with that first episode, which is really dives into Spain's African history, which most people don't know that West Africans were enslaved in Spain like they were in the United States and the Caribbean um, in the Americas. But um, most people don't know that, including most Spaniards. So discovering the impact and influence Africans had in 16th, 17th, 15th century Spain was fascinating and seeing their churches where they worshiped and seeing their altars that are still there in a lot of places. That's also in the um, episode. So that's episode 19 and 20. I just was looking at them the other day, mm -hmm. but the, actually those were my, that's my favorite episode. And it's it, the reason it's my favorite is obviously it's a personal a passion project, this black Spanish experience, but also to see how much storytelling you can do with audio. No visual, but still such a rich story with sound. Gotcha.
No, and I think I'm definitely going to check it out. And I, I love that you are saying, look, every you don't get the right, not there's no perfect answer as to what is the Black experience in, insert this country. I get asked that all the time. What is it like for Black people here? And I'm like, well, where's your Black come from and what's your Black looking for? Such good questions. Because once again, passport, experience, language ability, money, class, religion, mm-hmm. just all of that, gender identity, all of yep. that. can just completely shift an experience, right? There are some countries people absolutely love that I personally am not necessarily a fan of. And there are places I would go that other people are like, oh my God, I would never go to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's why you're not there. And I (laughs) am trying to make a home there. So speaking of this content creation, you may, you know, obviously you've moved to Spain, you're in Spain now, and then you launched a new podcast, (laughs) which I just literally shout out to Christine Joe. She's the one who mentioned it to me and I couldn't stop laughing. Just the title is what got me. I didn't even know. <laughs> and then when she told me the subject, I said, this is the most brilliant <laughs> branding I've ever heard. So my bloody hell. <laughs> yes. Yes. What inspired you to just A, name it that and B, just even do a podcast on perimenopause. (laughs) Well, Amanda, let me tell you, like the short answer is I moved to Spain and I was like, I have walked away from my life in the United States and I don't know what's here for me. I'm going to just see where the Lord takes me, right? I'm going to see where I feel called and pulled, but also like I need to make money. Like I can't, I mean, I'm not independently wealthy. I paid off my debts, but I didn't come here with a bag of money to just live this La Vida Loca, right? <laughs> so I actually took a business, like a launch your own business class. And um, I actually won a scholarship to do it. So it was just kind of, uh, you know, in other words, I wasn't like desperate and like I had to do something. It was more like, well, let me see what this would be like to launch my own business. What would that be? I knew it would be around content creation. I wasn't looking to like start a widget factory and learn a whole new skill set. Right. Um, so the idea was like, well, what kind of content am I going to be creating? What is it going to look like? And I had come up with so many different ideas. And then one day I just casually posted a article on Facebook about menopause and how the hidden cost of women suffering through their perimenopause symptoms was just so unacknowledged and it was costing businesses lots of money. Women were suffering in silence. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I post a lot of things on Facebook that I think are interesting. I got so many responses and they weren't just like lights. They were people pouring their heart out, women from all walks of life, Mm. pouring their heart out about their perimenopause experiences. I was to the point where I was like, you do know this is Facebook, right? This is public. Like (laughs) anybody can read this and you are telling me how many tampons you went through. Um, And we don't even know each other that well. Like, who are you again? Right. Right. But that showed me. So the thing in this business class was if you can solve a problem, that's where you start a business. And all of the other like business ideas were more about like my secret passions. They weren't any, I wasn't solving anybody's problems. Like, I know I'll start a, a business there. I get to plant flowers, you know, like right. that's <laughs> not going to solve right. anybody's problems. So as I dug into it, I just looked at statistics and saw how how little resources there were for women to get support and answers around perimenopause. And the fact that there is an unending supply of women entering perimenopause every single day, 
I was like, well, boom, right there. And I am of that age. I myself am in perimenopause. I um, had a very scary health scare right before moving here to Spain where my doctor thought I might have multiple sclerosis. Turned out it was just menopause, not perimenopause, it was hormonal. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many things that change in a woman's body due to perimenopause. And there's so little chatter about it, so little conversations publicly about it. I was like, let me do what I do best, talk yeah. <laughs> and find answers and create community around this conversation, this topic that is not being talked about enough. And again, coming from my background, where I'm always looking at race in real life, I'm obviously going to be paying a special attention to you know, what does perimenopause look for women based on their racial ethnic backgrounds? Because guess what? It matters. It's different. So I, with the force of <laughs> the new expat, really excited about starting her new life, I created this podcast and the blog, My Bloody Hell. And just to really kind of bring this conversation out in the open. And my idea was to give women the opportunity to simply share their stories. Nobody's an not as an expert, but just to share their stories so that other women didn't feel like they were suffering alone. Um, and I think because perimenopause is so bizarre, because no one woman's perimenopause looks like another woman's perimenopause, yeah. the more stories you hear, the less crazy you feel. Because one morning you wake up and you're you know drenched in sweat, or one morning you wake up and you've got acne like you did when you were 13. You just don't understand what's happening. So if you can hear stories of other women, then you realize, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not dying. This is hormonal. So that's what it was. And I thought the name My Bloody Hell actually came to me in the shower. I don't even remember exactly, but I was like, that would be great for perimenopause because uh, I don't mean to be gross for your audience, but you know, crime scene periods are something that are very real but also just the frustration of what this time period is like for women. I just thought it was the perfect title. You've just listened to an episode of The Global Chatter, which is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is edited by Stephanie Ficcio. Don't forget to subscribe to The Global Chatter on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Global Chatter or stop by Twitter and find us at global chat pod. If you have a question, want to subscribe to the newsletter, or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com. Mm -hmm.